electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. That's right, it does. Morgan and Will, thank you very much. Live from the NASDAQ market side, overlooking just the absolutely spotless and people-free Times Square. This is Fast Money. I'm Brian Sullivan. In for Melissa Lee, your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, the Dow marking another major milestone, hitting 29,000 for the first time ever. We hit 30K by the end of the month. We'll make the bull and the bear case. Plus, Carter says it's the perfect time to charge into this one financial stock. He'll tell you why. And later, a beyond belief week. The incredible run this week for fake meat, Hmm. maybe real profits. Hmm. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome. Another day, you guessed it, another record high for stocks. Yes, the Dow ended lower, but earlier in the session, it broke above 29,000 for the first time ever. Everybody, though, seems to be buying into the big caps. With all the money going to the massive, small caps are being all but ignored. They are lower on the year, and this is random but interesting. The Russell 2000 has not hit a new record high since mid-2018. At some point, they're going to stop the music guy, Adami. When they do, tell us why small caps are being stuck in the Well, I think that's a fair point. It was actually August of 2018. The IWM that measures sort of the small caps topped out around 174. And quite frankly, we haven't gotten anywhere close. I think recently we we breached 165, but we're still significantly off those all-time highs with the S&P now making all-time highs. I do think that's problematic. You know, you can make any number of arguments. Maybe the uh, Russell is more emblematic of what's going on in the real economy. I don't know. But I will say this. I happen to believe the Russell could lead the broader market by a couple months. And if the IWM is rolling over here, I think that's potentially very problematic for the broader market. How problematic? Well, how problematic? I mean, mean, that's a great question. I think anywhere from 10 to 15 percent is not out of the realm of possibility, given the backdrop that we've seen. We talked about it last night quickly. 20 metrics or 20 valuations, depending on what you look at, are at levels we haven't seen on the overbought side in 20 years in terms of the broader market. It's, it's interesting that Guy says it could be a leading indicator, because if you look at the components of the Russell, it's about 10 percent banks, 10 percent REITs. And the banks in this are small cap regional banks that actually correspond very much with the yield curve. So if you look at KRE, which is the yield, which is the small cap regional ETF, and you overlay that on the 210 spread, it's almost a perfect match, those two charts. There it is right there. Look at this year. It's almost a perfect match. As the yield curve steepened a bit, those banks went up, but they haven't hit new highs. So if you get a flattening yield curve and the Russell starts to roll over because the regional banks are rolling over, that could be your leading indicator. Later, you know, let's call it end of first quarter, second quarter, that might be your leading indicator that things aren't all uh, Why can't it just be as easy as this market is traded off, off of big uh, big cap tech, big macro stories, the same playbook from 2010 to 2018. And everyone said, this is what worked. This is where I'm going to stay in. And maybe the economy isn't so great. So why do I want to go to IWM? 
Well, I, I think I think you're right, Steve. I think certainly when you look at where investable market cap and capacity for big hedge funds and passive investments and ETFs goes, it goes there. But I'll, Brian, I'll take your I believe it was a metaphor, too. You talked about when the music stops, uh, well, guy will get in there, but you know, make it a metaphor. The music stopped for small caps effectively in, in Jan of 2018. And that was that blow off top, which was really uh, stopped by the trade war. Small caps need high growth environment. If you look at the outperformance of the small caps, uh, it was really during the first phases of the Trump presidency and then also when you got the tax dynamics, which were supposedly fueling the economy. It's when we had a more aggressive Fed in the picture. Since the Fed has pivoted, kind of strange, right? Small caps have underperformed the S&P by 12.5% on a one-year basis and almost 18% on a two-year basis. And I don't think that that's... At the same time, though, trade has gotten... Finish your question. No, no, because here's the thing, Tim. They exist in the same economy, mostly, okay, with the exception of the Googles of the world that have created their own economy in some ways. Small caps, mid caps, large caps, they all exist in the United States. We could say, well, the big caps have got the international component. Well, guess what? The international markets have been Hasn't weaker. Been so good. They haven't been as good. So either small caps have just been left for dead because people are just buying all the same ETFs or... There's some sort of economic story we're missing here. Well, but it, but that, I think that's it, because while the economy is not going in recession, and by the way, a lot of people missed that one and said it, that's where we were going, we're not growing at 3%. Uh, we're we're going to struggle to grow at 2%, and we may be sub that. And I think the small caps are ultimately emblematic of the real economy. And, and the small business, by the way, has a lot of headwinds. Uh, look at the labor force. Look at taxation. Look at real estate. Look at commercial real estate. Uh, the small business owner right now is in a very difficult but, place. But I think it's, it's, I think I think it's a product of where where you started out, where the ETFs are going, where the money's going. When people invest in the marketplace, they don't shoot for the IWM. They shoot for the Qs. They shoot for the spiders. And trade was the major headwind. If that is dissipated, people got out of those queues, out of the spiders, and now they're right back into what, the, what they were in before. And, and I'll but are they one. buying them because they're a better economic story? Are they buying them because everybody else they're is buying them? Because, because they everybody else is buying them. Everyone does all the time. The same six stocks or the same eight stocks. All the time. Have di- have, you know what we talked about today? Direction. I'm sorry to get all worked up about it on a Friday up. about it this guy, yeah. Dami. Yeah. You know the top five stocks in the S&P 500 are now 17.5% of the index. The other 495 make five stocks are running the show, period. You sound rather exercised on this Friday night. Neil Peart passed away right before the show. Someone told me I'm mad. Very sad. For the folks at home that don't know him, Tim obviously knows being a great drummer. Neil Peart, arguably the second greatest drummer in the history of rock and roll. I I think that could be debatable right here. And and by the way, it would be number one. It's a sad day for for rock and roll. The drummer from Rush, he passed away. Anyway, you get my point, though. Everybody's piling in, guy, to the same big cap stocks. Five or 17% of the S&P 500. That's never, we've never had this kind of sort of toppy, heavy imbalance. And I think in your comment, I mean, I think you find that problematic, as do I. But that's quite frankly been true now. Steve can speak to this for the last six to nine months, and the market hasn't had any problem with it. This is not a story until it is. And again, getting back to an earlier comment, there are a number of different metrics, 20 to be exact, that are flashing red in historic ways, yet the market doesn't seem to care. All right. So there was sort of the fundamental analysis. But let's check this. The chart master says these problems could be here to stay. Stone Macro's Carter Worth over at the Plasma to break it down. How are they looking from a chart perspective, Carter? Well, you know, you guys touched on it. It's really as simple as this, I think. It's index construction. We know the weightings in financials and tech are so different in small versus large cap that that is essentially when one makes a bet on one versus the other, making a bet on where one's to be overweight or underweight, those two. But let's look at the charts first. So here's the Russell 2000 on top. 
and here is its relative performance to the S&P on the bottom, right? However you want to explain it, we know that this is continuing to do this as this does this, right? So is that because of tech and the big names that are driving it? Sure. But what is fascinating is it's not new. This is now a two-year chart. Same thing. All of this, well, first thing to point out, is, of course, it's yet to make a new high. Uh, Tim referred to that. And yet all of this so-called advance, it, there's no alpha, meaning the choice made to be here versus here, not a winner. Let's pull it back even further. Now we're looking at a, a, a five-year chart. Let's do it again, look even longer. In fact, what we know is that this is right now uh, making 10-year relative lows. So one could say, oh, I made all this money in the Russell, but you could have done better if you were in the other index, the bigger index. And uh, here is going back 15 years. We are basically plumbing 15-year relative lows, and it has a lot to do with the weighting in financials and tech. So the chart itself, here's the high. We've yet to make that high, and I suspect that we are at risk of one of two things. Frankly, maybe even putting in something of a double top, or at least getting to the high and getting stuck for a long time. But I think one wants to remain underweight, IWM. All right, Carter, why don't you come on over? Let's trade this here. All Bring right, them in. Pretty yeah. clear double top there, I mean, on the IWM. Uh, but sometimes you want to buy when it's looking the bleakest. Anybody taking a swing at the IWM or small caps? Well, I, I'll tell you this. I mean, again, get back to what this week was and what next week is. Today, especially, you know, a payroll number where, if anything, like the, 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 it's not rapid. But there's no denying that the labor market is slowly softening. The year-over-year trends are not as good, but they were going to be tough to be challenged to be better. Uh, we have financials reporting next week. Uh, when you think about it, he talked about the weightings of financials and tech and what's what. Um, look, financials are, are earning their stripes again. And I think if you look at the bank earnings of next week, I think what we're going to see is that or, or hear from the companies not so great on the earnings trend and a market that actually wants to own them for weightings reasons that they're probably underweight. May I ask Carter a quick question? Yeah. I think you might have an answer to this. Will the underperformance of the Russell correct itself by the S&P 500 selling off? Will that how that performance sort of level out? Right. So the, does, or does uh, that S&P succumb and, and the small cap also get worse? But again, back to the construction, and I'll try to answer. I don't think I have the answer, but you're basically making a bet on tech. The weighting in the Russell 2000 in tech is 13. It's 23 in the S&P. The weighting in financials is 18 in the small cap, and it's only you know, 13 right. in the S&P. So those are the two big oh. swing factors. So you're making a call by making a call not on the economy. Or th you're saying, if I want to be in small caps, I'm betting against tech, and I'm betting basically on higher interest rates because the regional banks will need that in order to. And uh, my hunch is I don't think interest well, rates are Well, would that hurt higher. the REITs, which also make up about 10%? So it's that, kind of a, eh. It's a little bit of that. Uh, but basically, essentially, it's what you've all implied in the conversation before I jumped on, which is it's so dependent on a handful of super cap names. But that's what moral hazard's all about. Ultimately, that's the risk for the market. Okay. Good discussion there on the IWMs. We'll watch small caps. Well, let us now move on from the small to the big week ahead for your money. There's a lot on the calendar that could certainly shake things up. Number one, you got the start of earnings season with the big banks, J.P. Morgan Chase and others out next week. The expected signing of the phase one trade deal. And you got a bunch of number of Fed speeches. That is all coming in the coming week. So how should you position yourself for, Tim, this big week? 
Well, again, I, you know, the Fed speak, uh, taking what I heard this week, is that you've got a Fed that's probably going to continue to play the game. They're, they're certainly not going to change their course. And if anything, they're going to continue to tell you that they're going to have to balance out pressures and stretches in the, in the repo market. Uh, I think as you look at the financials, this is a case where valuations, I realize relative to themselves, have certainly had a big move. But relative to, uh, I think, some of their, you know, certainly pre-crisis levels, I think valuations in banks actually make pretty decent sense. On a price-to-book level, maybe not so much, but on an earnings ratio, Again, for these banks, I, I, I think you stay the Let's course think about for it, banks though, that have come for, along for way. For banks, the way I look at banks is if you look at the XLF, they've topped out. These large cap bank names have topped out in 08, the same, same level in 2018. And now we're starting to see them dance around that. What was the major catalyst? Dereg and tax cuts for banks. So even if Trump is reelected, he, does, he has divided Congress. Things are not going to look as good as they once were. And if he loses, it's going to be terrible. So why put money there? I, I think that's the point of the whole story. Because you're just betting on the year. yield curve, yeah, not right. politics. But you're, you're betting on the first half of this year, right? So that's what you've got to look at. And I think at least with the banks, when you think about that, you think about the investment banking that's going to go on. I think after the summer, there's going to be very little investment banking going into an election year. So you have this earnings season and maybe one more quarter to buy these banks, or at least for these banks, to make new highs. If they don't make new highs on this earnings season, I think you've got real problems. But you there. just do wonder, if you look inside these big banks, Banks, the bank guy, Dom, used to work for you, Goldman. And, you know, you look at the numbers, and it's always thick that's been weak, right? Fixed income and commodities and currencies, the trading part of these banks. I wonder, Guy, with a pretty – we had a pretty boisterous fourth quarter. Could we see some of the trading revenues these firms? I don't think so, because the risk needed – the risk associated with making those numbers is now gone. I mean, these banks do not take risk at all. So although Goldman, the stock, has done extraordinarily well, I mean, that risk profile is gone at least five years ago, if not longer. Quickly, in terms of what else I'm looking for next week, I mean, don't underestimate the importance of this J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. And look at a name like Eli Lilly, which today on a lousy tape – was up another couple percent, making all-time highs. So although banks are clearly the most important, I also think healthcare, which has been underloved, has been really performing well over the last You know what was interesting months. is you did an interview and you had Meg on today, and she talked about the outperformance during the healthcare conference every other year except for election years. So 2016, they underperformed the overall market, and now we're going into another election year. So let's see if they can do that, because you're going you're gonna to have everyone throwing massive headwinds at that whole sector. So let's see if it can uh, defy the laws of Just historic. Really quickly on this bank chart, though, you know, the, the breakout in the financials, this, that's the whole point. This has been a 10-year basing process of going through uh, a complete cancer on the balance sheets and rebuilding. I think banks are re-rating, and they just started. I mean, these were, you know, the entire group did almost nothing. If you look at the best money center franchises, and I think you have to throw Bank of America in there, too, at this point, um, and City is your value play. Okay. Coming up, the big week for fake meat, Beyond Meat, having its best week since July. And then, guys, you, if, yeah, what do you got? A yeah. mystery chart. No. Okay. It's a stock I, that I do this. Listen, the stock IPO'd in 1995, uh-huh. all-time high since then. It's obscure. Here's the hint. It's company name shares the name of a U.S. state capital. Okay. As we head out, a Juno. quick reminder. No. <laughs> no? You, can, you can always catch us live on, on the CNBC app. We are live from Times Square. Get credit for an More answer. fast money. Not Oklahoma City either. Right after this. <laughs> What does it mean to be rich? 
Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It was a Beyond Belief week for Beyond Meat. The stock rallying more than 25% just since Monday. And a plethora of news for the plant-based company from reports of McDonald's testing its product to Martha Stewart partnering with Subway to launch Beyond Meatball subs. BK, what's your take on Beyond Meat, which, by the way, well, is still 50% below its all-time highs? So it's, it's kind of interesting. Beyond Meat consolidated. This is just talking about price action and the way that it traded. Consolidated for a long period of time. During that period of time, if you look at short interest, it was increasing to a record high. Short interest at this point is about 21% of the float. That's the highest it's been. So you have a consolidation and a breakout with a lot of shorts. I think a lot of this move this week was short covering. Yeah, there were some catalysts, but probably, at least in my mind, not enough for this type of a rally. It was more like You had both those catalysts. You had Impossible Burger not having the the supply capacity to to further its it's, uh, partnership with McDonald's. And then what you had introduced it to from 28 or, or whatever it was to 58 stores in Canada. But when you look at where it's come from, this is a dramatic story. I, it should be bouncing a lot more, in my opinion, with a short interest of 25% off of this low. Mm-hmm. These, these burgers, as we've all said from the beginning, are not healthier for you. So I'm not really sure what the end game is. I just don't believe. Well, a lot of competition as well. I wonder, Guy Dami, if you own Beyond Meat or you want to buy it or you did buy it, are you buying it because you believe in the fundamental long-term story, or are you buying it because you're simply looking to trade a stock? I think it's a certain degree it's a greater fool's theory at this point. I think to Steve's point, it probably should have been up more than it is. Traded four times normal volume today. I think maybe almost five times. Typically trades 5 million shares, traded close to 23 million shares today. A lot of the shorts that BK mentioned probably got squeezed today. So, you know, I sampled one of these burgers, and granted, I don't have the strongest constitution of all time but i will tell you that it was not oh, a pleasant and look at experience that. And we actually that night we were very yeah. concerned for you, you. not I mean, like it a year or so later it was look at the reaction look at that that was, beyond, sense, that was the beyond I, that was the beyond that was something. impossible the impossible burger is better though is it it's very different burger just well, saying from experience anyway so well the, but but back to forget guys indigestion or worse <laughs> um let's talk about the fundamentals of this company and the fundamentals make no sense and i think it does come back to that and i think we've talked about the competitive landscape we've talked about some of the biggest food companies in the world uh, and i realize that there's a I mean, need beyond here. meat is the tesla of food well uh, the balance sheet it, doesn't it's, matter it's you believe in the concept long term for changing no, but, but literally ending cows but, existence. But, it, but it does it does stock went from 236 down to 70 because people understand that it does matter and i think that's where we are so i wouldn't touch it okay would not touch it apparently guy's not going to touch another one of the burgers nah, never yeah. again in we fact start... i think even that, yeah. that video clip might have unsettled you, you have see you say that in jest there's bit. actually some truth to it tim good thing it's a half hour show tonight or we'd have a problem at 5 45 <laughs> for more of the meets guy. big week head over to our website at cnbc.com in the meantime here's what else we've got coming up on fast We've got a mystery stock that's trading at the highest level since its IPO in 1955. We'll tell you what it is. 
And later on Options Action, we're launching into earnings season with a look at Delta. What traders say you should expect when the airline reports. We've got that and a lot more this hour after the break. Imagine a beautiful afternoon. The sun is shining and you get to enjoy it all because you just sat down on your John Deere mower. The smooth ride lets you escape into your yard. Intuitive controls make you feel like you're one with the machine. And with attachments for every season, you can enjoy it all year long. We could keep trying to put you in the moment, but to really understand what it's like to drive a John Deere mower, you just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time to reveal your mystery chart. This was a tough one. The stock touching its highest levels is going public all the way back in 1955. It is Dover Corporation, D-O-V, the Illinois-based industrial conglomerate, a 65-year high today before pulling back to finish the session in the red. Believe it or not, guys, 15 analysts cover the stock. Only five have buys on it. There's 10 holds or neutrals on Dover Corporation. And by the way, BK got it with the, with the capital Dover. Well, I just went through all the states from top to bottom. You told me it was the East Coast, so I went from Maine and New Hampshire. None of those made any sense. And all of a sudden, capital of Vermont is what? Montpelier. Oh, I spent from a mystery <laughs> chart to no UVM, man. Where you went to school? Oh, you went where you went to school? I didn't know that. You were only half as good trading stocks as guessing. Got him on the back. So much. What's the capital of West Mexico? Oh, we're still on that. From a mystery chart to your chart of the week, guy, you are flagging something in the gold space. What is it? Well, why don't don't we just run the graphic here, and I'll show you what's been going on in Newmont Mining over the last six months. I mean, here's a stock that had a 30 handle now brushing up against levels we last saw in August of 2016. I'll say again, a lot of people think gold just made this huge blow off top. I'm not one of them. I think the gold market is telling a story. I think the U.S. dollar is going to weaken into 2020. And I think finally all this nonsense out of central banks globally is going to catch up and manifest itself in the gold market. Newmont Mining gets you done, sir. I, I think that's interesting. Also, if you look at what's going on in mining companies in general, the, a, a lack of investment into CapEx and OpEx means you've actually seen stabilization. And this has been a five-year process in these core commodities, including lead, zinc, and copper, which they also produce. I agree with you, Guy. Mm. And if you do trade this area, you, you trade the miners. You don't buy the actual metal. Because the miners will outperform basically two and a half to one whatever the underlying metal does because they can control production and capacity. So if you're willing to be a gold bug, and there's plenty of gold bugs out there, buy the miners, don't buy the gold. I'm going to tie it all together. I think if you buy the miners, you buy the junior miners because of what Tim said. They haven't invested a lot. So what do you do? You go out and buy a mine. The junior miners are likely the buyout candidates. Because the dollar index is exactly the same place it was four years ago. Yeah, it goes nowhere. 
It's time now for your final trade. <laughs> Let's go somewhere and go around the horn. We're going to start with Tim Seymour. I'm going to figure out why the dollar index is sideways. But I, I will tell you, as we get into bank earnings next week, I think Bank America of the Money Center Banks is probably the best combination of value and, and momentum in terms of their core business, including lending, which I think is something that continues to have resurgence. Yes. Yeah. So if we get some, some good earnings next week, you might think people are going to think the economy is a little bit better. You buy TBT for higher yields in the short term. Wow, betting on bonds, huh? That's right. Wow. We're betting against bonds. Betting against bonds. I mean, yeah. but in the bond market. Yeah, okay. right. Something's going on here. Avis budget, I'm still long. This thing is up 50% since August. I think you're going to hear rumors about them maybe going private. Who knows? Something's going on. C-A-R car. You okay. college football fan, Brian Sullivan? I am in Clemson. Well, we'll next, co- Clemson yeah. will cover. Clemson. That's not why I bring it up, because oh. next year on Saturday's <laughs> University comment, of Houston, though. you might see a young man playing quarterback. His name is Ike Abago, who happens to be here with now with his grandma and dad keep an eye out for him also keep an eye out for newmont mining as we just mentioned a few minutes nice. ago to our friend tomo vertita go Cougs. i like Good to meet you, you i go. like Ike. all right options action is next you seek the key but first you must learn the ways of precision craft and performance with acura's all-electric zdx with a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.